John 13, 37 and 38. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you bring us these scriptures to remind us how important it is to stand strong with Jesus in hard times. I pray today that you will, through your word, give us strength and bring us to a point of repentance if we need it, a time of change in our lives to make us strong as we walk with Christ. Touch my tongue and my lips today, Father, and bring your message into our waiting hearts and bring about the decisions that we need to make that will bring glory and honor and praise to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn over now to John 18, verses 15 through 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Now we'll skip over to verse 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. Don't you ever wonder how Peter felt when he heard that rooster? I mean, I go back and I think about when he made that first denial. It must have come back to him, the face of Jesus telling him, you're going to deny me three times. And he thought, oh, I wasn't going to do that. And then he's asked again, he says, no, no, I'm not. And again, he remembers the words of Jesus and he must have said to himself, Okay, I won't do that again. I, I, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to be. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm his disciple. And then he's asked a third time, and he does it again. And then the rooster crows. I can't help but think in his mind, he sees the face of Jesus, and he hears those words echoing again. Before the rooster crows, before the rooster crows. Did, did you ever wonder how you felt? Or maybe, maybe you don't wonder. Maybe you've heard that same rooster crow a whole lot of times in your life. A rooster that reminds you that right is right and wrong is wrong. That heaven is heaven and hell is still hell. 
And no matter what the world says, no matter what intellectuals and the media say, God still loves you. And Jesus really did die to save you from your sins. And if you're a Christian, yes, you did make that commitment to stand for him and stand with him. I wonder, I wonder if after that night, Peter ever ate chicken again. I wonder his wife say, we're having fried chicken. And he's, oh, no, I don't eat chicken. Or maybe he ate a whole lot of chicken. Maybe there wasn't a rooster that was safe within miles of Peter. Maybe, maybe that rooster crowed in the morning and Peter says, I'm getting up. And his wife says, not another rooster. No, don't get another rooster. Maybe he just got so tired of hearing that rooster. But every day for the rest of his life, one thing's for sure, every time he heard a rooster crow for the rest of his life, even after the Lord had forgiven him, he would remember. So there's always consequences to our sins. Even if we're forgiven, we still have to face the consequence. And one consequence of, consequence of, of Peter's sin was that for the rest of his life, he was going to wake up in the morning and remember what he did. Did he lay in bed for a while and think about his denial? Did he think, can I make it another day and really stand strong now? Even after he preached that wonderful sermon on the day of Pentecost. But every time that rooster crowed, every day he woke up, he would remember the words of Jesus, the face of Jesus, and the sin of his denial. You know, it'd do us, it'd do us good to hear that rooster too. Do every Christian in this world a whole lot of good to hear the rooster. It seems that our consciences have been seared in the 21st century America. That we don't hear the rooster crow anymore. We just commit our sins and we never, we never have anything that seems to remind us. Uh, so often people sit in church and they hear the preacher talk and to them it's just droning on and on and they're never really taking it into their hearts and they're never really thinking about it. And I know this is true because I know that I go to churches, I go to Christian churches, and I preach what the Word of God says and what our churches have preached forever, and people sit there and get mad like they've never heard it before. But I know they've heard it. They've heard it for years. But they haven't listened to it. And we need to hear and listen to the rooster. We need to be reminded of the sin of denying the glory, the majesty, the power, and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, non-Christians deny Jesus by trusting in money and created things rather than the creator. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Yet that's what so many who are not Christians, that their, their God is money and possessions. And they deny Christ by their sinful nature. Galatians 6, 5 to 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do we not see this everywhere we go today? 
that on, the, on television, in our neighborhoods, <clears throat> in our government, when our, when our elected officials, the head of our state, of many states and even of our own nation say, we're going to make it right. We're going to make it so everybody can kill babies. We're going to do everything we can to make that happen. Do we not see this very thing here? And nobody's hearing the rooster crow anymore. You've always heard about chickens coming home to roost. Well, they need to. We need to hear the rooster. <coughs> Excuse me. Non-Christians deny Christ by their rebellion against the truths of God and his nature. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap, reap excuse me, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Well, you don't plant tomatoes and then go out looking for okra in about a month, do you? Anybody do that? Be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? We expect when we plant tomatoes, we expect to get tomatoes. We don't plant wheat and go out and look for corn. God puts so many things in the spiritual life that coincide with the physical life. And what we plant, what we sow, is what we're going to reap. And if we sow sin, then we're going to reap a harvest of what we get by sowing sin, and that is corruption. And the non-Christian also uh, denies Christ by denying that they have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I go so far to say that a lot of people in our nation today would tell you, no, I, I don't sin. Uh, everything I do is legal. Everything I do is accepted in society. But accepted society and legal does not make it right. For if you would acknowledge that you are a sinner then you would realize your desperate need for a Savior. And a lot of people won't acknowledge they're a sinner because when they do, they really realize that they need a Savior. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we finally acknowledge that we're a sinner, that we have no hope for today, tomorrow, or eternity without Christ, then we come to the realization the only hope we have is in Jesus. Christians deny Jesus as well. We deny him when we allow ourselves to be overtaken by our old sinful nature. Paul reminds us that we have changed, Christians. Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. When we accepted Christ, we crucified the flesh, our desires of the flesh, and then we buried them. When we were buried in the water grave of baptism, we rose up or were resurrected to a new life. Peter gives us words of encouragement in 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. All that of the flesh, everything that works from our fleshly desires, it is at war with our souls and with our eternity. And we deny Christ as Christians by trusting in money rather than God. Luke 16, <coughs> verses 13 to 15, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one 
and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. Speaking of Jesus, who was saying this, and he said to them, You are all those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an, ab- is an abomination in the sight of God. Now read that and think, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Isn't that what we said non-Christians do? Yeah, didn't I just read that? Well, I didn't read it, but I read it from a different gospel. But it's the same thing. And Christians do the same thing. We make our idols ourselves. We make them our money. And when we do that, we exalt them above God. And that's how we deny Christ. Now, I believe the Pharisees who ridiculed Jesus in this passage, I believe that they ridiculed Jesus not because they didn't like what he said, but because they felt they knew exactly how God's money needed to be handled. That he was telling them, you're handling the money the wrong way, and they knew how to handle it. They've been doing this a long time. And I'd say to the, to the, to the congregation, to the church, and larger churches, I'd say to the elders or, or to the finance committee or whatever, to this church, I'd say, because you are a small congregation, make decisions as a congregation, I'd say to you that we need to be careful when we are given the responsibility of handling the money that is given to us to use for God's kingdom. We must be sure that we don't make decisions that can be justified in the eyes of men or our own eyes, but which may make us detestable in the eyes of God. And we need to realize that in our own personal purses and bank accounts that this is God's funding, this is God's money. Make sure that he is pleased with what we are doing with it and certainly as a congregation. We must never forget that God knows our hearts. We can a lot of times say, well, I think everybody agrees with that. Let's go do that. It may not be exactly what the church would do or what the Lord would have us do, but we think it's all right. God knows our hearts and why we make our decisions. Let's make sure that we're not trying to serve God and money as well. Let's make sure that we remember this verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So whenever decision we make as Christians, we cannot put ourselves ahead, our own feelings, our own desires. We've got to say, what would God have me do? How would God have me live? So often we make decisions and we say, oh God, I made this decision. Would you bless it? When we need to say, God, what is your decision for my life? What is your decision for my possessions? Okay, I see what they are. I know it'll be blessed. Because it's your decision. I've seen in your word. I know what your decision is. So I know the decisions I make will be blessed. I interviewed a fellow just recently uh, on our podcast, a preacher who's retired because of his health. And he talked about, at times, people uh, giving them $25 when they were raising kids. And he said, you would not believe how much that meant to us that $25. Oh, I believe it. I've been there. I, I certainly believe it. But he said, we knew that we needed to do something. We had no way of doing it. And all of a sudden that was there. But he said, we put God's kingdom first. When I left the, my worldly pursuits and decided in my 30s to become a preacher, we sat down with the kids and we all decided together that's what we were going to do. 
and God took care of us all those years. And when we decide to put God first and his word first, seek first the kingdom, I can tell you, we may not always have everything we want. We may not always have steak and maybe peanut butter and crackers, but we'll be all right. We'll do okay. And we won't be denying Christ by putting ourselves ahead of him. We also deny Jesus our Lord whenever we willingly absence ourselves from his table. When we choose golf, fishing, shopping, yard work, or, or just sleeping in rather than coming around the Lord's table. We say to our friends, to our family, to, to the world, to, to our church, and most importantly we say to Jesus that he didn't die for us. He really didn't. Because I'm telling you what, if somebody stepped in front of a bullet and died for me, you better believe I'd be at his memorial service. I would be there to let him know and everybody else know, this, this guy died for me. And I'm not going to miss this table right here. Last week we were coming back from doing this 50th wedding anniversary celebration that I was asked to, to speak at out in eastern Kentucky. And we left Saturday afternoon after everything was done and we got as far as Bowling Green, Kentucky. And if you've ever traveled much and tried to find a Christian church on Sunday for the Lord's, to get, so you can get on the Lord's table, when you hit West Tennessee and West Kentucky, it gets kind of hard. So we were really trying to work it out. We couldn't figure out where we were going to go, where we could make it. And finally, Beth said, I think we're just going to have to uh, go to services online and, and take the Lord's Supper when we get home. We got the next day and we started looking again. And I said, I think we can make it to Linden, Tennessee if we really get after it this morning. And we got in 10 minutes late, but we got there to be around the Lord's table. And we were so blessed because there were three teenage baptisms that day. Three different men baptizing three different teenagers. And there was so much excitement in that church that morning. And we hadn't been there in years and years. And it was wonderful to go in and be a part of it. So we were blessed because we made an effort to be around the Lord's table. You never know when you make that effort. The central part of our worship is this table. But when you come on this table, so many of the blessings flow from it. And we're not denying Christ when we remember to put the table first. I'm going to go back to that scripture I used at communion time, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me ask you something. From last Sunday until the rooster crowed this morning, whether you heard him or not, I guarantee you there's a rooster crowing somewhere. How many times... Did you deny Christ in the last week by your words, by your actions? I'm not condemning you. I'm just trying to get you to bring it to remembrance, okay? Because that's what we do when we come in on Sunday is bring these remembrance. Uh, between five o'clock last night and the crowing of the roost this morning, how many times did you deny Christ by the things you said and the things that you did? If you do not determine to make some changes in your life now, where you realize even this morning they need to be made, how many times will you deny him before the rooster crows tomorrow or next Sunday when you come around the table? 
Luke 22, 62 tells us that after dealing with a rooster, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Maybe it's time that we've dealt with the roosters in our life. If you denied Christ through your lifestyle, your actions, your words, maybe it's time for some bitter weeping, realizing that we have denied Christ and maybe hearing that voice of Jesus saying, you're going to deny me three times. And maybe it's been a few more than three times. Maybe it's time that we hasten to the Lord. We make a decision to stand with him and put the world behind us. If you have a decision to make this morning, I'd encourage you to do that. In the moment when the invitation is given, if you're a Christian and you maybe found yourself denying Christ, you can recommit your life where you stand with him if that's what you feel like you need to do. You come up here and we pray with you about that. I'd be glad to do that. If you've never given your life to Christ in trusting faith, I encourage you, today could be your day. Step up here and say, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord. I don't want to deny him anymore. I repent of my sins. That is, turn away from the world and turn to Christ. Confess him. I'll help you make that good confession. I believe Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and be buried with Christ in baptism today. We can do that here. We can set up the portable baptistry. Or we've got friends in a lot of churches around here where we can take care of that. I encourage you to make that decision today. If you're listening on the podcast, I encourage you to make these decisions. Find someone who will baptize you for the remission of sins. The gift of the Holy Spirit is Acts 2.38, Mark 16.16, and Romans 6 tell us to do. Or uh, contact us at rocksolidministries.org and we'll help you. Find someone to do that or we'll come to you and make sure that's taken care of. But now is the time that we need to make a decision. We don't need to go and hear the rooster again and know that we're still denying him.